reason why I've been thinking about this week is uh, just personally, can you, when, when was the last time I can remember uh, this much disorientation in a couple weeks span? And maybe that speaks to my Western entitlement. It probably does. I listened to a podcast this week where the woman said that for those of us that don't live in regions of hurricanes and tornadoes and, and earthquakes, uh, that this is probably more disruptive than maybe others. But all the same, like I, I found myself just kind of going through my head, when, when were there other disruptions like this so that I can use them as a frame of reference? And admittedly, mo- most of them were, were heavy, and, and yet most of them are seasons that I can look back on and go, okay, so, so God was there, and God was there, and God showed up there. And I think I was searching for a story that would bring some levity, but quite frankly, I, I didn't. I thought of uh, some, some difficult things. But here's what I want to, here's where I guess where I want to start your thinking this morning, and I intend to kind of end here as well, but the good news is, is you're not in an auditorium, and therefore we don't have to pretend like we are, and so just wherever you're at, whether you're on a run right now, or you're driving in your car, or you're sitting with family on a couch somewhere, how about for you? When was the last time that you experienced this level of disorientation, of, of disruption? What, what, what was that? And I think it's worth just taking a pause and going, when were those times? Because here, here's what I want to do this morning is there's a guy, Walt Brueggemann, who's this great Old Testament theologian, and hopefully you can see this, but he, he has this thing where he says that all of life, and particularly the Psalms, he says, can be seen through this, I suppose, cycle or, or matrix. How's that for a messed up arrow? But there's orientation, there's disorientation. Oh man, I'm going to run out of space. And then there's this idea of reorientation. I'll just leave it at that. And what he suggests is that, especially when reading the Psalms, but especially also just when understanding the life of faith, that we are always in somewhere on this cycle, where we're really comfortable with where we're at and really comfortable with our grasp of God, where we're the opposite of comfortable, where we're really uncomfortable and nothing makes sense to us anymore, or we're somewhere in between and we're starting to put the pieces back together. And and, and for me, this has been really helpful, and I, I've been thinking about this for a bit, but it seems particularly relevant to where we're at as a, as a culture and as a people and as a community, that just naming, we're, we're, we're smack dab in the middle of disorientation. I mean, I, I, frankly, I, f- I feel horrible for our students. Uh, many of us have some semblance of normalcy as we're going to work, but especially it seems like our high school students, just the, the loss of social connection and relationship and freedom. I feel especially bad for our seniors who are probably starting to go like, wait a minute, is this going to happen and is that going to happen? Our, our, our spring athletes. And then, of course, there's those of you who have lost a job or, or maybe you're wondering when you're going to lose your job. There, there's the disorientation financially. There's the relational disorientation, and maybe part of the good that comes from this is just the, the higher appreciation that we all have for one another and, and actually connecting with one another. I know there's people from my own immediate context that I just I haven't gone this long for 10 years without seeing them, and it's, it's horrible. That there's, there's the professional, there's the personal, and then there's also the spiritual. And I guess what, what I want to do this morning is suggest that, that maybe by naming it, we can also find the hope that, that, that God is faithful 
and that we can identify other times of our life where the disorientation, maybe it was this bad, maybe it wasn't. I, I don't want to get into that comparison game. But maybe in, in identifying that we've, we've experienced this before, maybe we can find the hope for a God who will lead us through it. In fact, uh, the, the few questions that have been rolling through my head this week is, what, what if this is normal? Or, or if it's not normal, what, what if this is, isn't new? What if we've experienced this kind of disruption before? And, you know, we celebrate a faithful God. And I, I don't know about you, I, I want a faithful God to mean a God who's faithful to let things be the same all the time for me. But what if part of what the ancients meant about a faithful God was that God is faithful to pull us through this? And maybe wisdom is on some level understanding that no one gets to live here. No one just gets to hang out in a place of orientation. That that life has a way of disorienting us and God has a way of inviting us to a new new normal. And yet that's going to happen again and again. So what we're going to do this morning is look at Psalm 77. It's fast become one of my very favorite places in the whole Bible. I'm taking a psalm class at Portland Seminary right now. I signed up for it because all these people that I respect love the psalms and every time I've read the psalms, I've just went like, I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't get it. But in the process, I'm starting to gain an appreciation for the Psalms. And part of that appreciation is actually this very tension. That what the Psalms do is messy faith. That what the Psalms do is disorientation. That what the Psalms do is call out God and go, God, where the heck are you? Which reminds me, uh, if you don't have your deck of cards... Would you, would you, you have time. You, you, can, you can run and grab them. If you're watching this live, you won't miss much for the next few seconds. My, my preference would be that everybody on the couch, everybody in the room has their own deck, but whatever, whatever suits you. But seriously, if you, if you don't have one. Because here, here's what I want to do this, this morning is, I think Psalm 77 can give us some handles. Years ago, my wife and I with some friends got to go visit Israel and uh, it, it, was a, it was a hiking tour, not a museum tour, and we spent the first six or so days in the Negev in the south in the heat, and we were all looking forward to when we would get to drive north and go to the Sea of Galilee. And, and in fact, I, I can still, I, I can still like, sense the moment when we got out of the bus and we took this short walk from the parking lot and we looked over the crest of this hill, and down below the hill was the Sea of Galilee. And it was one of those surreal moments. You've seen it in pictures. We've read about it. And, and, and there it was. In fact, we have a selfie of Teresa and I in our bedroom of, of that very, of, of us looking at the Sea of Galilee. And I'm sure George, our leader, did some teaching there. I don't remember the teaching. But there was a point where the teaching was over and he said, okay, so now what we're going to do is we're going to hike over there. We're going to go down that cliff. We're going to go through that field and we're going to go into that town down below us. And about the time he said that, I watched in the background as our bus, because there were about 50 of us in the group, drove off. And I immediately wanted to go to the like, did you say climb down that cliff? And that's exactly what he meant. And I was nervous. I'm not a climber. I don't, I don't love heights. I like lots of outdoor things, but Zach still hasn't convinced me to like climbing. It, it's just... I just don't love it, despite the fact that my wife does. But we walked over that way, and sure enough, we got to this spot where there was about a 30-foot cliff. In this case, it was below us, so that made it all the more weird. We weren't going up, we were going down. And to visualize it, really, you can just picture Mount Helena, the top of 1906, where you get to that spot where there's those granite cliffs, and I don't, I don't, I don't know, 20, 30 feet, somewhere in there. And it was enough of a cliff, like a normal person's not going to hands and knees kind of bear crawl their way up there. I suppose a climber like Zach Bushilla could, could probably free climb it, but, 
it, it, it was a legitimate cliff. But as we got up to it, I, I had some relief. My first relief was if she can do it, if he can do it, if they can do it, then I can do it, which is a little arrogant. But there, there were some older people. There were some people not as good a shape. So I thought, well, if George knows what he's doing. If he's taking them down the cliff, then I'll be okay. All about me. But when we got up to it, what I noticed is there were these eye bolts that were, that were placed throughout this route we'd be climbing down. And connected to the eye bolts were these steel cables. Now, there were no harnesses, there were no ropes, this wasn't Disneyland, but, but it was a little bit more safe than that. I mean, if you fell, you, you could get really hurt, if not die. But what happened was you, would, you just took your first step off, and, and literally, like as you're facing the rock, you would gla- grab these cables, and then you're standing on cables, and you'd kind of shimmy across, and then there'd be these metal things that functioned as ladders. And we were in a group of 50, so it moved pretty slow. And yeah, my hands were a little sweaty, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. The idea of handles, I, I think Psalm 77 offers those for us in this time, in this time where, where we're incredibly disoriented and, and we want to hold on to hope and yet we don't know what the future is and we don't know if we're returning to, to, to what we left or if we're returning to something brand new and we don't know whether that new normal is going to be in a month or in two years. It's, it's why I've returned to digital minimalism and have just stopped reading stuff. But in that process of waiting, I think Psalm 77 speaks directly to it. So so here we go. Psalm 77, I'm going to read the first three verses. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God that he may hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. I think of God and I moan. I meditate and my spirit faints. So something's been lost. Something's disheveled. Something's disoriented. And notice also there's these early hints of past comforts aren't working anymore. Past past solutions, they're not responding. They're not functional anymore. There's this distraught kind of desperate nature. And notice too, there's, there's this heavy focus on, on me. It's not a bad thing, but the psalm opens with, with the psalmist and his initial concern or her concern or their concern is, is, is himself and herself. And there's, it's, it's this preoccupation with self. In fact, we just read 52 words in those first three verses. Ten of them were either I, my, or me. And that tension continues in the next few You keep my eyelids from closing. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old and remember the years of long ago. I commune with my heart in the night. I meditate and search my spirit. So again, me, my, I, loss, something isn't right anymore. And then the psalmist turns towards God. And there's this Well, let me just read it. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love ceased forever? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? So notice notice what's crumbled isn't just life. It's not just work. It's not just Jerusalem. And and invariably, this this is a psalm about exile. This is a psm about loss of home. But there's also the loss of God. 
The very religious system that has propped the psalmist up for however long it's worked, it's crumbled too. It's gone too. God isn't doing what God's supposed to do. It's like what's driving me batty is God's not performing the way I've always been told God would perform. Here's where the, here's where the cards come in. Because this, this is like a Jonah thing. The Old Testament prophet, you know Jonah, who God says, hey, why don't you, why don't you go to Nineveh and talk to them about me? And Jonah refuses. He, he doesn't want to go. He doesn't think they're worthy of God's mercy. So he eventually ends up in the belly of a fish. And that's where sushi is invented because the idea of eating something down there, seaweed, raw fish, all that stuff, that occurs to him. Eventually he gets spit up on a beach. And eventually he acquiesces and he ends up in Nineveh and he preaches a message of repentance to these people. And they repent. And Jonah's ticked because Jonah's preconceived notion, everything he understood about God was that God is about justice. And in this moment, Jonah's told, no, God has a profound character flaw and it's that he values mercy more than justice. Jonah is in this place of disorientation. Everything's on the ground. Everything's disheveled. This is Nicodemus who in the middle of the night comes to Jesus, tells us something that it was the middle of the night. And he says to Jesus, you know, what are you doing? And Jesus, in this iconic conversation, says, you've got to be born again. Like that's, that's, how you're gonna, that's, how, that's how you're gonna make this transition to me. You've got to be born again. And, and he's like, what, what does that mean? What, what is he saying to Nicodemus? He's, he's saying to Nicodemus, I understand you're really comfortable with where you were and what you've got. God's leading you through this season of disorientation. And I think part of the arrogance that I know I'm guilty of when reading stories like that is the assumption that there's just one cycle. Not that there's multiple cycles. That that Nicodemus was right with God for a long time and God was leading him to this new thing. So listen to the way, actually listen to the way the message does the first, those those last few verses we, we read. Well, the Lord walk off and leave us for good? Will he never smile again? Is his love-worn threadbare? Has, has his salvation promise burned out? Has God forgotten his manners? Has he angrily stalked off and left us? And then look at verse 10. This for me is, quite frankly, this verse validates for me why I I think the Bible is more than just a book because I don't think if you were making this stuff up, you would write something like this. And quite frankly, this is why I read the NRSV now, not the NIV, uh, because the NIV does some embarrassing things with the translation. But watch this. And I say, it is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your deck of cards and I just want you to bounce them off the ceiling of wherever you're at. Because the psalmist is, is giving words to the emotion, isn't he? Like, it's everywhere, God. I had a life that I kind of enjoyed. I had a job I kind of enjoyed. I had a routine I kind of enjoyed. I was looking forward to graduation. I was looking forward to my senior year. I was looking forward to the spring, whatever that was. And bam! Suddenly it's scattered. And the grief of the moment, the grief of the psalmist is, I can't ever put it back together like that again. 
And the invitation of God is that's okay, but we can put it back together. And the invitation of God is, is maybe if you'll take the time to remember the past instances, you've had other scrambled decks. And while maybe you still walk with a limp and you still miss them or nobody wants to trivialize the pain, God was faithful. And watch, watch what the psalmist does here. I call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. So, so it's still I, it's still self-concern, but notice his, his preoccupation has shifted. He, he's, he's starting to remember those moments. He's starting to remember the pain from past times. He's starting to remember, she's starting to remember, whoever it is is starting to remember that, that deck I was holding, it's not the original deck either. And in fact, it's, it itself is indicative of a God who was faithful to put it back in that order. She died and I never thought I could experience joy again. I lost that job and I, and I never thought that I'd get another one that I liked again. It, it's, he's beginning to, to remember and, and fixate less on self and more on God. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds there's this memory of unexpected, unprecedented, undesirable faithfulness in the past, and it's starting to come to mind. And part of the reason why I think Psalm 77 is good to give us handles is because this psalmist is getting to do what you and I can't do yet. The psalmist is getting to look at the whole chronological timeline. If if August happens with any kind of normalcy, we're going to do a series from Psalms, and, and part of what we'll see and part of what we're going to delve into in Easter is, is the psalmist is, is able to look at exile and the horrendous results of exile, the loss of everything they valued, but also to begin to see how God put the pieces back together. And from this point forward, I is never referenced again. There's no more me. There's no more my. It's all about God. Watch this. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who works wonders. You've displayed your might among the peoples. With your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. So, so now the psalmist isn't just remembering his own experiences, her own experiences of what God has done. Now the psalmist is remembering the faithfulness of God to their people. Now they're thinking of that iconic moment in their story where God miraculously led them out of Egypt. Now they're recalling the, the narrative of a God who did the unexpected, the unprecedented, the impossible. And maybe it's good to remind ourselves, we, we have our own Exodus story. It's called resurrection. And it follows a pretty similar cycle. Everybody thought they knew who Jesus was and what he was supposed to do, and then he wasn't, and there was complete disorientation. We've talked in the past. Nobody was standing outside of his tomb counting down from 10, 9, 8. Everybody went back. It was ruined. The cards were all over the room. There, there, was, there was nothing that could replace what they thought they had to have. There's Good Friday. There's Silent Saturday. And then there's Easter Sunday. A, a God who was faithful to bring them back. 
And this psalmist is remembering the Exodus. And then he starts, these next ones we think are dealing with the parting of the Red Sea. Watch this. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. The very deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies thundered. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. What's the value of just slowing down enough to go, okay, when was the last time? And what can I learn from it? And then look at verse 19. This one, uh, I love this verse. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the mighty waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. What's the psalmist doing? You've done it. I know you've done it. He's looking back and going, man, I didn't, I didn't stop to see it at the time. I couldn't see it at the time. It wasn't obvious at the time, but I look back and God was there. And we've talked about this in the past. There's, there's people you're so glad you didn't marry and jobs you're so glad you didn't take. And, there, there's this, and, and then there's even the pain that God has, he's bigger than it. And he's, he's brought about something new. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So here's my question. What if you were to, Tommy's going to lead a couple more songs and I'm so grateful for his leading us in that way. But what if you were to go for a walk? What if you were to sit over breakfast? What if you were to pick up the phone and call somebody? And what if you were to have this conversation. Okay, when was the last time you experienced this kind of disruption? When was the last time that you can think of or what's the most memorable time where your life felt this disheveled? And then start talking about, okay, so as painful as it was, as, again, nobody wants to put rose-colored lenses on, on, on pain and suffering, especially when it involves things like death but what, what good has come from that? How can you see what were the invisible footprints of God through that season? And then, really lastly, what, what, what would it look like to take those lessons and, and carry them through this season in a daily, as Tommy was saying earlier, even hourly and minute-by-minute kind of way? I'd... I'd like to pray with you and, and then we're going to jump into some music, God. Um, thanks, God, that you transcend buildings and auditoriums and circumstances, God. And God, we just, in our kind of ironically scattered state, God, I pray that you would, that you would give us perspective and that you'd give us the energy to recall the stories. And you know, so much of the Old Testament is about tell the stories, tell the stories, tell the stories. And, and maybe it's not so much about the specific stories or even that they're scriptural, but that they reveal the fingerprints of, of you, the, the unseen footprints of, of, of you. And so, God, we pray that you'd give us the energy to, to lean into you in this season. Pray that you'd make us responsive to, to your voice, 
that we'd be courageous when that's the proper motion and that we'd be cautious when that's the proper motion. Uh, that you would, in some sense, turn our, our fixation from ourselves unto others and your faithfulness. Amen. If you would like to learn more about Narrate Church, find us at narratechurch.org or look us up on Facebook and Instagram.